Welcome to the UP Tech Talk podcast, coming to you from the new academic multimedia studio on the University of Portland campus, produced by Academic Technology Services, with your hosts, Maria Erb and Sam Williams. Welcome to the UP Tech Talk podcast. Today we have with us Dr. John Watsky, who is a professor and the dean of the School of Education at the University of Portland. Thank you, Dr. Watsky, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Dean Watsky, we're so glad to have you here with us today. And we've just been having a lively discussion a little bit ahead of the podcast here about technical preparedness from an administrative point of view. And please share with us some of the things that are coming on board this year for, for the state of Oregon. Well, it's, it's interesting. The, uh, from my perspective, you see technology in the schools. We work with teacher candidates uh, who are preparing to teach or lead schools. And um, certainly we have faculty who, you know, one of our charges is to remain up to date and know what's happening. And, and part of our charge is to work in schools, you know, as part of our load and um, professional development as well. So we see technology across the board and uh, they interact across these levels, but, uh, you know, to kind of create a frame for this, there's really three ways we see it across those three groups. Uh, The one is sort of the here and now, I would just call it the here and now, and um, it's really about the technology at hand and the gaps that exist in schools or uh, the gaps across what we're doing in a teacher ed program versus what a school says we need to be doing in terms of technology preparation. Looking at those gaps, how can we improve those? And, and, and a good example of that is, uh, you know, looking at a classroom teacher, most systems now use an online uh, grading and uh, attendance system, right? I remember filling in these ovals <laughs> as a student, um, and then I'd, I'd have a student run those to the office first hour, and every hour, in fact. Um, but that's an example where there's no option, there's no opt-out for any teacher, and that may be really, um, um, at the end of the day, that may be one of the only kind of technologies that a teacher is engaging with. Um, and I, I will tell you, if you go out to classrooms, you'll see the range. And I know, uh, I know you've been out to these classrooms and seen the range and seen probably optimal use of technology as well. Um, the here and now can include also things like, you know, obviously overheads and um, mimeograph machines, if you remember those. I remember filling the tanks and right. as a first-year teacher anyway. I remember um, the smell of those. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> what do you do with that can oh. when you're done with it, too? Um, so there's all that here and now, and that's a, there's a whole gambit. And, and the reality is uh, um, teachers typically are given the opt-out as well as faculty often as well. It's not uh, always the case and rarely the case where technology is pushed down and a mandate's given. Um, another example of the here and now, we were talking earlier about uh, the new statewide testing that's starting this year, Smarter Balanced Testing. It's replacing Oaks, and that will be a computer-based test that all children will take, elementary through high school. And um, it's requiring far more than, it's more than multiple choice. In fact, I believe the minority of items will be multiple choice. So it's going to involve manipulating items online, underlining you know, topic sentences, short answer. Uh, there'll be a performance task that's performed over four hours in the classroom. Oh, wow. Um, it's going to involve lis- listening sections. Um, one section will be called research, where even the little ones, the grade elementary school students, will be listening and then having two other sources of 
either um, some kind of media or reading exercise and then answering questions and trying to Mm -hmm. develop an argument. And that will go all the way through through high school as well. So you can imagine uh, this is mandated and every school will deliver this in-house. It will be pushed across a common platform, but the technology in place at every school is so different. Yes. And there are amazing gaps. And uh, we hosted 350 teachers yesterday on campus and one of the threat around Common Core and Smarter Balanced Testing, one of the strands that ran all day was technology. And it was really around the questions, what do we have, what are skills that our students have to have in order now to take this test? And, you know, it overlaps between, I think, um, just pragmatic skills of test taking when being on a computer and how to do this and what to look for, but also, um, you know, just general skills and general computing skills and technology skills that we would want any student to have. But as you listen to, to teachers and building principals who we hosted, I mean, there just are amazing gaps. And this is hitting this year. It'll happen this year. And um, it will be there will be you know implications of the results, so uh, it's been pushed down by the state, but pushed on, and there's no opt out. Yeah, immediately what pops in my head is just some equity, absolutely issues out in the schools that can't yeah. afford, yeah. you know, good technology. So uh, is anybody? Are, I'm sure people are talking about that. There are, there are, and I think that um, I mean, I, I the the predominant approach is we all know it's happening. Um, you know, we we budgeted for about 200 teachers and school leaders. We had 350. We could have probably gone into 500, but pe- oh, people wow. are really looking for all the knowledge they can have now. And people know it's a learning year, even though it's it's a real year for this to happen. Um, but, you know, you will see changes in budgets uh, shortly around um, how to increase the technology and how to um, try to address those gaps. And uh, what's likely to be the source of that money moving into it will that be area. Definitely it reall- reallocation. Mm-hmm. It's going to be reallocation at the district level. Yeah. Um, and probably a decisions made at the, um, you know, even at the building level where the principals might say, I would, you know, I need to use this budget this year to, to ramp up a lab. You know, most are looking at workstations to deliver rather than iPads or whatever. There's a listening component. And um, um, I think most schools are looking for a hardwired connection. You know, because yeah. it's, a, it's a test pushed out, and it's going to be an adaptive test that changes over time. Mm-hmm. So, and in fact, the performance task, um, uh, I saw some exa- examples yesterday. The performance task will be such that um, you'll cover a general topic as a teacher. Let's say 11th grade, and the topic may be budgeting, like personal budgeting. And then the students will sit in front of their workstation. And this isn't in theory. This will happen this year. And they'll be pushed out six or seven different topics around budgeting to write to and respond to so it's you know so it's a scenario generally um, discussed and applied and then specific topics individually given to students in the same classroom at this in the same testing period Mm -hmm. so it's really interesting but lots of question well the adaptive testing I I mean as somebody that as a technologist I've I've participated in adaptive tests like Microsoft testing Mm -hmm. so you never get the same nobody no no two people are gonna get the same thing so I mean that I think one of the questions we get all the time with online learning from faculty is you know how do I get around cheating and how do Mm -hmm. I get so the adaptive testing is awesome absolutely I'd say it you know Again, it's going to be that problem solving that students do. But immediately when you're talking about it, my mind starts going to infrastructure. And we talk about the computers, but I think people often forget. And one of the things we experience here at the University of Portland is we had to triple our bandwidth just to be able to keep up um, on campus. And I've heard that from the one-to-one schools 
that they've had to really increase their bandwidth in order to do this. So I'm, I'll be curious to see right. what right. happens in that part of the community as well. Yeah, yeah and it, from your description, it sounds like these tests are going to resemble something like the GREs and, mm-hmm. and where you've got a dedicated testing center. Right. And I'm just wondering why that model wasn't put on the table. Why not develop you know, testing centers that are set up for that right. and, and move the students to... Well, I've heard a lot of discussion on efficiencies. And uh, the, just as of yesterday, the... Um, the official data and Smarter Balance is a consortium of states. So we're all, the other interesting thing is that we'll, our, our results will be looked across multiple states. I think about, about 20 have adopted this test so far. But um, we're told it's going to be about a four-hour process to take okay. the entire test. And that, so for efficiency's sake, the, um, you know, the, 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 the idea is that we want to do this in school and not, not send people out to centers to take these. Gotcha. If, that's, if that's what you're applying. So there'll be a center, but it may be in the school and it may be the computer lab. Let's put it that way. And well, yeah, have a sc- just yeah. kind of sounds like since those, you know, Sylvan testing or whatever yes. is already set up for that, you, why yeah, not right, just right. Well, build it out a little more with that? Exactly. You know? And how often are they going to be tested, though? I guess I didn't catch that earlier, it's, but how often? It's yearly and in the spring. And, and the okay. idea is you'll take those results and that will help set up a, 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 a more effective fall learning experience. Okay. Yeah. So maybe so. the impact, you know, on my side, I'm th- I was thinking more like a regular kind of right. testing environment but if it's kind of a yearly you know then you know there might right. not be as much impact as I'm uh, as I'm thinking yeah. in terms of bandwidth but the, the the conversation that teachers have been having as well as that th- this coupled with the common core is really demanding a different kind of teaching um, different kinds of tasks a lot of really rich context as well and not that that didn't exist but I think this really again it, it, there's no opt-out ultimately and I think that um, we were talking about gaps. I think one of the reasons they have the technology in the building is because we want to engage students throughout the year using the technology yes. in different ways. Um, so although I, I sometimes cringe watching my elementary school daughter touch type, you know, she's not she's kind of learning some touch typing, but she you'll get the single fingers in there. Yeah. You know, it's um, not just for testing, but for a lot of reasons. It's good to see that she's becoming more efficient at getting her words onto paper. And then being able to edit those and those that sort of thing, but that's sort of the notion of the here and now, where there's there's not really an opt out. The gap I see sometimes between um, school of education and uh, our schools, and I, I believe I just spoke to this earlier, but it's just you know there's a here and now at the schools, and there's a here and now here at here at in the university, and whereas uh, six or seven uh, grade and attendance. Uh, you know, our platforms may be used across the Portland metro area. You know, we could possibly teach one of those. And our approach typically has been, you know, we want tech-savvy students, and we want them to go in and learn. And the feedback I will get is, no, we want, our, we want your student teachers to come in, and I don't want to spend two or three days training them on a grading. Uh, you know, they, we, they have to use this every day. So we don't want to spend time training them. So we've gone back and said, well, if there are five or six of these platforms out there, how can we select one? Well, maybe we can do a boot camp. Um, well, again, we don't want to spend time training your. So, a simple example, but you know, there are many of these kinds of examples where you have to make decisions in higher ed, um, and you know, one of one of the ways to affect that is to make sure you have real rich field experiences even before student teaching year, where you know there's lots of exposure to the technologies, and you can um, sit in on professional development with teachers. Students can as well, um, but that's kind of a here and now. And we all feel it. I certainly feel it as a parent, and I feel it um, as a professor, but also we see it with our teachers and teacher candidates as well. 
Um, there's also that no- notion of um, if you're a v- Vygotskyan fan, this notion of proximal development, and it's kind of the technology that's just out of reach. And I, I know that uh, that's a lot of your work as well. So you, you have the opportunity, and you might have a little bit of knowledge. And how do you create a strategic plan or programming that really leads to integration of technology? And we deal with that. How do we deal with that with our students, where there's a limited time that we have with them, our faculty? And um, also, we feel real obligation to our teachers that any knowledge and capacity we have, we want to pass that on. And likewise, we want to learn from what they're doing as well. So I'll just speak really shortly about this. I'm a dean, yes. so I'm very strong, you know, lots of hot air to blow to <laughs> today. But, but um, you know, we've, we've worked on this, uh, we've worked on an OATS conference, which mm-hmm. really creates a consortium of, of experience. You, all that expertise out there, how do you bring that together so people can learn from one another consistently? Mm-hmm. Um, we've worked on a educational technology certificate, which really could be open to faculty through um, practicing teachers. And um, it's affordable, I think it's accessible, um, but the work is how do we now get that in the hands, right? Yes. Um, and just likewise, uh, again, we hosted, uh, we have a educational leadership network that's uh, a board-run professional development network that we, we ran this um, Common Core Smarter Balance yesterday on. Hundreds of teachers came, and the teachers and uh, instructional coaches and some of the principals taught those sessions, you know, so we were sitting alongside with them as faculty learning. It's great PD for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so the, how do you bring that expertise together strategically? And that's one way you kind of close that gap. Um, I don't know what your experiences have been here on campus or with teachers, but it's challenging work. Well, it's definitely challenging. And, of course, their focus, most of our, you know, at the university especially, a lot of people that are teaching didn't go to school to become teachers. <clears throat> so they're, right. they're, they're learning that at the same time as they're really focused on their content area. And so when we're talking about, you know, integrating technology into the classroom, we try to find the low-hanging fruit often and find those one or two tasks that we can help somebody create efficiencies with. But that's a lot of one-on-one time that we have with faculty. And we get in there and we examine these with the faculty and help them move forward with them. When I, I hear these, you know, doing this across districts, across states and stuff like that, I really don't see the ability for people to get that one-on-one training with a technologist to sit and kind of work on these things. So. Right. Within the K through 12 school, we always see, you know, there's pi- the pioneers, the mm-hmm. ones that will grab anything and throw it against the wall and try it. Right. And then everybody else that, not everybody else, but, you know, this part of it that's just saying, you know, I'm just going to grab one or two things. Mm-hmm. Um, but they really don't necessarily have those people, right. you know, to sit that's with. Right. And so I think that's a component that's kind of missing in the K through 12. I think the certificate idea, this this, this notion that, um, at least initially, it would be quite local. and. Um, you become, uh, you learn along with, with classmates who are teaching mm-hmm. in um, neighboring districts or in your own building. And in some ways, that provides opportunities for more one-on-one yes. uh, where people can share that expertise. And certainly yesterday, um, we've tried to create three professional developments a year that are theme-based. And of course, this is our testing and standards year. But, um, you know, the, we've, we, we left a lot of time for networking because the idea is we want people to come back saying, you know, I want to touch base with this colleague. I want to follow up with you. Can, you, can we come visit your school to see how you're, how you're do, actually doing this? Yeah, right. yeah. And, and that's, you know, the network that you create and that mm-hmm. those colleagues are, is so important. Well, and I'm in a master's program right now in education. I'm not here at the University of Portland, but somewhere else. I won't say where. Um, probably get in trouble for that one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the... 
and I've been finding that what's been very, very helpful throughout the curriculum has been the project-based um, you know, learning right. that's been happening. And I know right. that's that's changed a lot in, in higher ed, but the fact that we have to work on these projects um, and the projects are using the tools mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. testing out tools. And I was really surprised. And this term, I'm taking a class on open source tools and geospatial technologies. And I was really surprised um, by the offering of these two courses and the fact that I'm taking them in the School of Education. And I, you know, I think that there is a lot of that curriculum that is changing out there. Right. Um, but yeah. it's, you know, five years ago, you know, were those classes being offered? You know, 10 years ago were those classes being offered? But those are the teachers that are currently in the classroom. Right. And so at least with the for future teachers, I think there's going to have a lot more opportunity I think um, so. for hands-on. I think mm-hmm. the I think there is exponential opportunity and and um, so you know but it, but it, you have that continuum from you know I have to do this tomorrow or yes. I have to do this every day to right. I have some choices out there and um, you know what do I specialize in and um, so definitely working with colleagues I think the project based piece um, you know a sense of accomplishment a sense of this is something I can use mm-hmm. or I can you bring to my instruction. Um, I know a lot of the work has been cla- um, course-based that we've done here mm-hmm. right, at UP, and, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the full um, sections of the uh, gradebook option, right, Moodle. Yes. And that's, that's a hero, you know, that's, it's, it's uh, something I think that we'll, we'll all use and want to use, and maybe it be, goes from an opt- option to a here and now mm-hmm. after yes. a while. But, uh, but that's, uh, you know, those are kind of two levels. And that final level, I know Eric Angel speaks so eloquently about this, but it's a gap between what the learners are bringing into the classroom and what's really happening. I mean, the, the difference between real life, I might call, and the life of a classroom. And, you know, we want our classrooms to be alive, but um, sometimes they seem you know, th- semi-thawed, you know, and not necessarily sort of frozen at times. So, you know, I, and I can give an, just an example. Recently, I was volunteering at my ninth grader's high school uh, last week, and she brings a phone to school, and we we've talked about you know when and how and how not to lose it and that sort of thing. And um, I've seen this dramatic difference from junior high to high school where I didn't know this, didn't realize this. The teachers um, are fine with the students having their their phones out on top of their desks. I guess I'm a traditionalist. I thought it had to be a way. Did that happen? That was my question. Yeah. When did that happen? So so what well, we talked about and what's happening is. Um, Basically, the teachers are opting not to go to labs, and and they know that a majority, if not, in, at least in this high school, the majority of the students are bringing smartphones with them. Mm-hmm. And if you if you don't have one to work on, then you pair up with someone, you know, and that's very typical. So um, they'll they'll say for five minutes, I want you you know look up different definitions or different images mm-hmm. around this particular word or whatever, and um, they are there on a daily basis integrating that into their teaching, mm-hmm. um, depending on the teacher. And so um, there seems to be, one, there's probably some sort of rule about having your phone out and visible that has been, you know, lifted, I'm guessing. Right. And, you know, uh, but as a dean of education, I'm a little bit more hands-off with the school. You know, other other parents might jump on that. But but I guess I'm honestly, though, the, the teachers are utilizing these in a way. And so I found that really interesting because I think that's a rec- at least a recognition that the t- technology and the skills are there. Um, but we're challenged so much because we are of different generations and, and um, certainly maybe multiple generations. 
And um, it's sad to think that, the, you know, one sense it's sad to think that classroom isn't reflective of reality or our everyday life. But the other side is you want classroom to be a special place where mm-hmm. you can take risks and, and you can try out different identities and, and, and you can do that through literature or whatever, writing. Mm-hmm. So maybe it is a suspension of reality. And I don't know where technology always you know, finds its way into that. But what I do know is that, um, you know, as Eric has pointed out, Eric Angtel multiple times, and we all know, I mean, there's just such a technological divide between the everyday of many children and, and what they experience. And I think even as adults, we, we see that as well. Um, and uh, there may be our ways we implement or use technology that we just don't, hasn't filtered into our classroom, yeah. and it ought to be. So um, that would be a kind of a third level where I see those gaps. Um, it seems as though we often talk more about teacher development at the K-12 level, and it's not always integrative of how does that take advantage of what the students know and can do already. So, so that's, those are three kind of levels, and um, mm-hmm. the challenge is how do you try to address those gaps, whether it's programmatically development of uh, professional development of faculty, whether it's our, our students and trying to get them in the field. How do we serve the teachers out there who are many of our, our alumni, but we want to learn from them as well? That's kind of the you know rounded view I have, and no, there's I not a lot of good answers. Right, right. yeah, it is a dilemma. Um, well, we're going to have to have you back on the podcast after, yeah, definitely. after the big changes uh, yes. happen and roll in, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it'll be a nice, nice time. Looking to forward have. to it. Yeah, and thank you for your your thoughts on on these subjects and yeah. for your just yeah, your attention to this as the dean of the School of yeah. Education. Thank you. Great discussion. So, thank you so much for having thank being you. here today. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the UP Tech Talk podcast. Just a reminder that we post a new podcast every Friday morning, and you can find us at techtalk.up.edu.